officials are issuing warnings ahead of the pro-Trump protest planned for D.C. on Wednesday. That's when Congress meets to certify Joe Biden's election victory, even as President Trump and many Republicans refuse to accept that he lost. The lack of any evidence of fraud has led other Republicans to dub the effort unconstitutional. Hello, I'm Jason Dick, and this is The Transition, a special edition of Political Theater. It's Tuesday, January 5th, 2021. And we are all preparing for the counting of the Electoral College votes in a joint session of Congress uh, on Wednesday, January 6th. There is a lot uh, that is different uh, than than normally happens during this joint session. We have a number uh, of Republicans who are going to object to the certification, which is going to lead to potentially uh, several hours of debate uh, in, in each individual chamber. And uh, and we're still learning as we go, just different things that we're going to have to uh, take into consideration, whether it's the uh, protesters that have uh, shown up uh, on behalf of President Donald Trump to protest uh, Joe Biden's win uh, or increased protocols for keeping people safe for, uh, from COVID-19 or just restrictions on the press. I'm joined today on Political Theater by uh, Niels Lesniewski and Catherine Tully-McManus, my colleagues on the CQ Roll Call leadership team. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what to expect uh, during the joint session and the and the subsequent debate, and also what are some of the ramifications going forward. Niels and KTM, welcome. Welcome. Happy New Year, Jason. It, it has been a happy one so far, for sure. <laughs> Uh, Catherine, let's uh, let's start with you. Uh, you've been doing some reporting uh, about, um, you know, just the mechanics of how this works. Why don't we start with just what would happen, what has typically happened in the oh history of the republic uh, when it comes to counting electoral college votes on January sixth per the Constitution. So usually this is a pretty ceremonial process. There's pomp and circumstance. Um, in terms of congressional business, in a regular year, this is almost efficient. Uh, they, The vice president, in this case, it'll be Mike Pence, presides over a joint session, and they go through in alphabetical order the electoral votes for each state um, and basically confirm them. And they open the envelope, and it's dramatic, but we all already know what the numbers are. Um, and what usually happens is they go through all the states, they solidify those final numbers, and then they confirm them. What is different this year is that objections are going to be raised by Republicans about the validity of some of these states' electoral votes. And Niels, uh, you know, one of the things that some of the folks who have uh, are planning to object on both the Senate and House side that's uh, th- th- these Republicans are saying that this isn't anything that's different that that uh, Democrats have objected uh, previously. Uh, but why why is it so? W- what let's talk about some of those uh, you know historical um, uh, illusions that they make and and whether this stacks up to muster. You know, it, this is really different from uh, the situation in two thousand and. Five, for instance, after the uh, re-election of George W. Bush, uh, there was an objection lodged uh, in Ohio. Uh, in, in, in order to have one of these objections that works, you have to have both 
a House member and a senator commit in writing uh, that there's a problem. Now, there's often going to be cases where you may have a few House members who think this, but 2005 was a case uh, where Stephanie Tubbs-Jones from Ohio uh, and the House side was joined by Barbara Boxer, the uh, Democratic uh, senator from California, the longtime uh, chair of the Environment Public Works Committee. And uh, so that caused the two chambers to have to recess from the joint session and retreat, uh, as the term is, to their respective houses. And the senators marched back across the rotunda, back over to their area. And uh, Boxer was defeated. She was the only person who voted in favor of throwing out, effectively, the electoral votes of the state of Ohio. Uh, And so what's different here and what I am really going to be watching for, uh, particularly, is how many people actually vote in favor of tossing electoral votes, alternate slates of electors, any sort of thing like that. So, you know, on one hand, the the objections which are going to be raised by Republican senators like Ted Cruz. Uh, and Josh Hawley and Kelly Leffler, uh, that's going to be one problem. Uh, But the real question is going to be how many people dare, when the uh, debate is over, vote in favor of literally disenfranchising people. Right. And we should note, too, that this um, there since the the law that governs how this process was passed in 1887, there have been only two instances where there's been an objection on both sides uh, joined and the, the chambers have had to go to their respective chambers and debate that objection. Once was in 1969 about a faithless elector, a so-called faithless elector, uh, that the that that was, uh, you know, the objection was voted down in both chambers. And then the most recent time is the one that you mentioned about Ohio. In both cases, uh, the... the um, the presidential candidate had conceded uh, at that point. Hubert Humphrey had conceded uh, in, in 1969, and John Kerry had conceded the race in 2005. He had conceded it in 2004, actually. So it is it is a little different. Now, uh, Catherine, do you, uh, like, in, in general, I mean, as you noted, like, they'll, they'll go in alphabetical order. Um, we're expecting that they're going to, uh, that there will be objections uh, centered around six states, and so the first one would be my home state of Arizona, uh, and, and and we're we're expecting that there will be a, a, a senator joining that, correct? Yes, um, we're. I'm thinking of it as up to six states. The House members who are raising these objections are committed to these six swing states that they truly believe that President Trump was robbed of the electoral votes in those states um, by malfeasance that has yet to be proved in any court case in any realm of reality. Um, What the question is for many of these states is, will a senator join? We know that there are senators who are willing to join for specific states, but we do not have a slate of joiners on the Senate side for all six at this point. Um, But yeah, we will start right off the bat with the A's. Um, They'll get through almost nothing. And then retreat to their respective chambers and a debate. And usually that debate is two hours. So that is a big slowdown for something that in total took 28 minutes or so the last time we did this. 
But with COVID restrictions and trying to keep as few people gathering in the chambers as possible, especially during votes and things, we're getting guidance that this could take three, four hours per objection. So if we're looking at six objections, Steny Hoyer, um, majority leader in the House, is already looking at, is this going all night? Are they going to break in the one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning on Thursday hours? Uh, something that I think is really important to stress is that this is going to be really high drama. It's going to be really long and drawn out. But with Democrats controlling the House, the House will not be upholding any of these objections and Joe Biden will be inaugurated. And Catherine, the Senate won't uphold any of these objections either, because even though they're in Republican control, we already have enough Republican senators uh, saying they want nothing to do with any of what uh, Ted Cruz and company are doing. And so uh, it's all going to be fruitless. But, but one thing that is also notable in terms of how long this is going to take in that 1969 case that Jason referenced earlier, the uh, longtime senator from your home Commonwealth, Senator Edward M. Kennedy, actually asked the chair whether or not you could table an objection dur during one of these sessions. And the uh, presiding officer at the time said, no, that you cannot um, table one of these objections. That motion isn't in order. And so the two hours of debate has to take place unless there is, it's the Senate, so I'm going to say it, unless there's unanimous consent, they can't <laughs> get away with getting rid of the two hours. And I, I would, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd also just, you know, like to to note, you know, kind of programming note, and and this isn't to disenfranchise the um, uh, the feelings of any of the people who are objecting, uh, but uh, it only takes one on each side, uh, and and so like the hundred and forty or so Republicans in the House who say that they will object to one one or the other states, uh, and the fourteen or so senators who say they will, it it doesn't you, you don't get extra credit, you know, <laughs> for you know it, it doesn't mean anything more, um, you know, for, for uh, as far as the objection goes. I mean, it's 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 you know, and th there's obviously there's a lot of politics that are. Um, that play here. Uh, I mean, when you, when you said they truly believe, Catherine, I, I I thought, well, do they? I don't know. I mean, this could be about like holding court with the Republican base, uh, some of which is amassing at the steps of the Capitol or as close as they can get to that in the Supreme Court to uh, to to note their displeasure uh, with the election results. But it seems like the um, you know you, you're you're right. This is going to take a long time, and but the result is is going to be the same. Joe Biden is going to be certified and he will be inaugurated. Um, and, I, and I wonder if, you know, I, the question that we, we don't know, uh, and I've looked at it, looked at the CRS reports, like tried to figure it out, is do they have to do it all in one day? Because they've never had to take more than like a couple of hours. I know that they are, there are plans in the works to spill over into Thursday. But as you and Niels both know, the Senate operates how the Senate operates. So you can yes. stay, you can stay in a day 
a legislative day for days and days of regular world time, of course. Um, I do think that knowing that the outcome will not change, something we're going to hear a lot of tomorrow and throughout this whole debate, however long it lasts, is Democrats saying this doesn't need to be happening, this is ridiculous, and Republicans saying this is our right. And as is often the case, multiple things can be true. The Republicans objecting this, it, that is, this is a right. They are not going, they're not breaking, um, you know, Senate or House rules or anything like that. This is a right that they have. Um, and Democrats are correct. The outcome will not be changed. Um, and so you can hold multiple truths uh, in the United States Congress tomorrow. One other truth. Each chamber may determine the rules of its proceedings, uh, <laughs> as the Constitution tells us. So the other thing that is always possible, and I don't know that, that Speaker Pelosi and House Democrats would want to do this, but if the House Democrats wanted to set the rules for how this debate goes on the House floor for individual states, once an objection has been raised and the Senate has left, uh, they can always send Jim McGovern up to his uh, room on the third floor of the Capitol or wherever the Rules Committee is meeting this year because of COVID and set procedures that supersede whatever the law says because the internal operations of the House are going to ultimately be under the Constitution at the discretion of the House. I, I'd note too, like Niels. I mean, you're. Uh, I mean, you 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 haven't even uh, got to start covering the Biden White House yet, um, and so I'm going to ask you about the 2024 race. <laughs> How much of this in the Senate is about Republicans, uh, particularly people who are going to say they're going to object? How much of this is about some of them positioning themselves with for a potential 2024 presidential run? Well, Jason, uh, Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri got to get out of the gate first. He beat the group led by Ted Cruz to the starting line on saying there were going to be objections. So uh, he already got a news cycle, um, and there are others who will probably join in or take the opposite approach. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton, who may well run for president in 2024, uh, was someone who has decided that he is going to not partake in this objection effort. Uh, and the other thing that's at play here, and maybe most notably at play and most obvious at play in Missouri, is on one side you have uh, Senator Hawley, who may well want to run for president in four years, and the senior senator from Missouri, who has to be on the dais actually opening envelopes Senator Roy Blunt, who is the rules chairman, the inaugural committee chairman, will literally be announcing that the forms submitted by states like Georgia and Pennsylvania are regular in form and authentic, and that there's nothing wrong with them. It, it will make, I mean, it, it is almost uh, as if the this podcast about political theater was, um, it was just waiting for this uh, particular topic. Um, one, I, I think also just, you know, strange irony of the times also is that I remember, you know, like in 2017, I was in the chamber and even this was after 
a pretty rough election. I mean, like the the 2016 election between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton uh, left its its fair amount of scars uh, among uh, politicians and and the people who covered it and so forth, and 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 people who felt strongly about the outcome. Uh, and even that, there weren't that many people who even showed up for the joint session. Uh, not not that many members of Congress, not that many reporters. Uh, it was a fairly, uh, as Catherine said earlier, efficient and no drama affair. Uh, and now we're, we're faced with a situation where there is going to be a lot of interest. There are going to be a lot of people who want to be in there, whether they're members or members of the press or so forth. And and we're we're going to be restricted uh, either because of security reasons or COVID restrictions or uh, seemingly uh, arbitrary developing press restrictions. So um, the number of people may not even exceed the number that were there in 2017, which wasn't that many to begin with. <laughs> Jason, it wouldn't be political theater if I didn't bring something out of left field to this podcast right now. Oh, but do tell. One thing that I am watching tomorrow that... I don't think anyone else on the planet is keeping an eye on is the usual mode of transportation for these elaborate wooden boxes and the official envelopes with the electoral college certifications and votes. They are usually transported across the Capitol by a stream of teenage Senate pages um, who are rarely in the spotlight, but get a big spotlight on this day. But because of COVID, the page program is suspended. And I am genuinely curious who's carrying this, uh, you know, precious cargo tomorrow. So I'll be keeping an eye on that. Um, even if no one else on the planet is. I, I think you will have, you'll have some company because I am curious too, whether they bring in one of those like, those like food delivery robots, you know, or something like that, or, or maybe they bring out the Lincoln catafalque for this uh, and, and make, you know, some of the heftier senators and members of, of the house uh, c- carry it across uh, like pallbearers. Uh, no, this is uh, something that's going to be weird. And and I keep on you. I'm in danger of overusing that term, but it just seems like things just keep getting weirder. Twenty twenty was supposed to be the end of the weirdness, but it seems like it's just beginning. (laughs) Well, uh, Niels, Catherine, thank you so much for uh, running through this. Uh, It's going to be a a a momentous day, and I'm I'm glad you are uh, covering it for us. Thank you. Absolutely. That's going to do it for this edition of Political Theaters of Transition. On behalf of the CQ Roll Call Newsroom, thank you for listening.